Rhetorical? I'm not quite sure what that means. It's just an excuse. You're listening to Return to Gilead, a fan podcast for Down Gilead Lane, by two new but extremely avid fans of the show. I'm Michael LeFevre. And I'm Ryan Matlock. And today we're reviewing 1-9 of Mike and Finn by Beth Culp, episode 9 on our return to Gilead. Well, as we continue on in this series, we're slowly seeing more and more of the Morrisons introduced to Grace. And this is the first time that we see someone other than Haley introduced to Grace. Yeah. And I am totally here for it. Yeah, it's great. And I think that this one is a little bit more interesting because it's not like, oh, I just bumped into you. Like, Mike is actually, like, very against seeing Grace until about the end of the episode. Until he realizes that maybe he should keep his promise to Haley which he did make, promise me you won't go there unless I go with you. And I don't know if he actually wanted to go to see Grace, but whether or not he did, he does, and it really helps him. Oh, yeah, I didn't re- I didn't pick up on that, that he does promise that. And at this point, when he's kind of at the end of his rope, like, oh, I can't keep any of my promises. I guess I'll just keep this one. Mm-hmm. It's like, he doesn't explain why, because Haley's like, why the change of heart? And he's like, no, we're, no reason, just let's go. <laughs> And it was kind of building throughout the episode. Let me read the summary of this one real quick. Right. Sure. Michael becomes discouraged when he realizes he's been neglecting his responsibilities, but Haley thinks she might know someone who can help him. Yeah, the way it seems that the conflict goes in this, and this is really interesting. This ties into the larger narrative of the problems in Gilead aren't necessarily big problems, but they're problems that these characters can struggle with and have realistic struggles. The thesis I wrote down for this is that Michael's problems in this episode aren't practically harmful to others except maybe Brooke who isn't able to go with Luke and the others on the bike trip but they do affect his reputation and they do affect him like the way he views himself so with Timmy Timmy is okay he's found by the police officer with picking up the lawn I guess that's a different thing with taking the drinks for the soccer team it's a soccer team right uh yeah I think so yeah with taking the drinks for them Timmy ends up bringing them and then With getting the bike pump back, uh, Timmy does that for him again. So all of these things are resolved kind of on their own and everyone's okay. But their view of Michael changes and his feelings about himself slowly build. And it's interesting that at the beginning of the episode, he's really defensive about it. Like, huh? I don't know what's going on. I just want to do this stuff on my own. And eventually he gets frustrated about it. And that's the scene between him and Haley where he's kind of ticked that she's talking to him that way. Or that, that she's kind of poking at him and asking him, like, hey, you have these responsibilities that you were doing, why, or that you were supposed to do, why aren't you doing them? And she talks about how Timmy was really smart to find the security guard, and he's like, well, uh, you mean I'm not smart? She's like, no, no, I didn't mean that. It's not until that conversation where Michael realizes that he's let down so many people with the soccer team and forgetting the drinks, and that Timmy is responsible, and with the conversation with John that Michael has, where... Timmy ends up picking up the trash. It's not until that where he has the line where he says to Haley, unlike me, I know you'll keep your word. That's, I think, where his change of heart comes in. Yeah, and I really appreciate that scene, especially. I think that's our clip for the day, isn't it? It is. Would you like to play that now? Sure. But I I, I thought you said you weren't going to do it. I know that's what I said, but I just felt bad about how I kept forgetting to do stuff I said I would. What made you change your mind? I just want to be someone that you can count on, Dad. I know I've messed up, and I want to prove that you can trust me. Thank you, Michael. And believe me, if you keep up work like you did today, I know Mom and I will be able to count on you soon enough. I hope so, and God, too. Uh, Well said, son. 
it is really well said because he's realized it's not only his reputation among people that is lacking, but it's sort of a neglect of the gift that God has given him because Michael is really productive when he wants to be because he's really good at athletics. And we've established this in previous episodes. And so now that he's just letting these things slide when he can be doing better, just like in the earlier episode, when the conversation was, you can do better, you need to try, you need to put effort into it. Now he's really realizing what the consequences of not doing that effort are. It's not just himself that he's affecting, he's affecting other people. And I think that realization in that last scene and in the scenes with Grace is really effective writing. Yeah. And I appreciate there's a certain simile or, well, not a simile, but like a mirroring of similarity, one of Jesus, right? yeah, similarity between this and one of Jesus' parables. Yeah, I figured the, that out. There's a, yeah, there's, and like, I'm sure that pretty much anyone who's heard the parable would probably figure it out. But yeah. I like the way that it's put in here because you don't figure it out until like right at the end when it actually happens. Um, like at the mm-hmm. beginning, there's a point where Timmy's like, I'll do it, daddy, and I'll clean up the yard. And you don't realize it then. Or I mean, at least I didn't. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until this conversation that I was like, oh, this is this is playing off the parable where the older son or like the one son said he wouldn't do it. And the other said he did. And then they flip flop and the one that didn't do it actually did it. Hey, <laughs> that's cool. Um, but Yay. it's not done. In, it's not done in like a, hey, look. We did this thing that the Bible did. Okay, we're done here. It's got its own flair to it. Yeah, and it genuinely is a play on the story from the Bible, which I don't know entirely how I feel about that. But if I didn't know that it was a Bible parallel, then I wouldn't mind it at all. I wouldn't bat an eye about it because it fits with their characters. Michael's been neglecting everything up to this point, and his line to John saying, no, I won't do it, fits with his character because he says... Why? It would just be another opportunity to let somebody let somebody else down, I think, is what he says. And throughout the episode, we also have the constant reminder that these little quips don't go unchecked because John tells him to lose the tone. And when he's saying, I can take care of myself, Timmy, John tells him to back off. And even in the middle of that, when Timmy says, I'll do it, and Timmy's been so responsible, Timmy's going to mess up eventually. And I think I can forgive him for that. But with Michael, it gives him the chance to step up and fulfill what his arc was in this episode. It really is good storytelling. Yeah, it is. And mm-hmm. I appreciate sort of the the lesson in it. Uh, there's a part that discusses how if we're faithful in small things, God is able to give us larger things to also be faithful in. Additionally, they talk about how, because I, I think this is during the conversation with Grace and Mike, she talks about, this and he says well that sounds hard and she says that it is hard and she doesn't sugarcoat it and be like oh no it's not hard you can just do this she says that it's a matter of relying on christ's spirit plus our own effort and i like that way of putting it and i like that grace clarifies Mm. it's not easy but also discusses sort of the combination of what it is that you need to do in order to get there yeah yeah and does it in a way that is simple to understand and it's not, and she doesn't say it's simple. Like she says, it's simple to understand, or it said it, it says it in a simple to understand way, but also clarifies it's not easy and it takes effort, but it's worth it. Ending with the parallel to, or the idea that, the idea that this is something that you need to rely on God for, comes from her saying previously, "I do rely on people." And the conversation starts when she's talking about Finn and how she depends on Finn. And Michael says, "Well, it's a good thing he's a, he's a dog and not a person." That way he can't let you down, I think is what he says. 
But her saying, I do rely on people like Mr. Key and using that to say, if you are a good friend, you need to be reliable. But then bringing that all back to God, it shows that she has a great grasp of the spiritual tie-in for all of this. And whenever we see Grace, it's really great because even though she has her own struggles, as she does in the next episode, and sort of in this one, maybe not as much because she's not the one struggling with it, but she can see how relying on people is something she has to do or being responsible is something that Mr. Key does for her. She's gone through all this. It's not just like the Odyssey parallel of Mr. Whitaker just knowing all of this stuff. We don't necessarily know how he learned it or the fact that he read it from the Bible. Grace has all these applications that fit really well with the story. Every time we've come to Grace's house and gone, quote unquote, down Gilead Lane to her house, which I love that that parallel. Hey, or that little that's clip the name here. of the, the show. episode. I love it when they say the name of the episode in the episode <laughs> or the name of the, not the episode, the, the show. Anyway, every time we've come down Gilead Lane, it's been a parallel to what Grace is going through. And the creative license here is that Grace is dealing with this specific issue during this specific episode, like in this one. Oh, I guess she's not as much dealing with it as much as Michael is saying, oh, you, I bet you have to rely on him because that's on his mind. So it really is great storytelling, great writing, and a great crafting of the theme to work that in there. And I also have written down that this bomb in Gilead, as it's, I guess it's put, uh, that Grace provides down Gilead Lane, <laughs> the title is starting to make a lot more sense. It's more than just for the Richter family, as we'll see later on in the show. Right now, it's for the Morrisons. The Morrisons aren't a perfect family. And even though they're ideal, and I would love to be a part of their family, they're still learning lessons. And their introductions to Grace are healings of the problems that they've been facing. And so every time that a new Morrison interacts, he or she is changed for the better. And that's I right. love that that's continued in the next episodes and that gradually the Morrisons are introducing each other to Grace. It's not just them finding Grace on their own. It's that they meet her and realize what a great person she is. Right. There are a couple of really funny lines in here. One is where Haley is talking to Brooke about the tire pump. And Haley says, do you know what Michael did with the tire pump? and Or where my tire pump is? And Haley says, the one that Mikey left at Aunt Kelly and Uncle Peter's? What? It's at Aunt, Aunt Kelly and Uncle Peter's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a great a one. Good, that's very and good. Timmy continues to be really, really cute. Because if we had to talk about the right. sound effects for that beginning scene. I don't know how I feel about the first scene. The sound design is great. And the sound effects actually are great. But that's not how video games work, I don't think. Just jumping on and immediately saying, yeah, yeah, go get him. Go do it. Right. <laughs> it's it's hard because no. it's an audio drama. Do it's you, not a video game. Do you put coins in, perhaps? You don't have to. And maybe, like, go through an intro before the game starts? Like a load-up screen or something, maybe? Yeah. I don't there know. are other creative ways that they could have done it, but... It it was fine, and I, it, it got the point across, but I was just kind of like, you maybe could have lengthened that out just a little bit more. Hmm. Here's a, an interesting question. At the beginning, the stakes aren't super high for Timmy because he's immediately found by the police officer, and he's really cute going to the police officer and then describing in a, a – it's really not a an expositional way of what he did because Mary and Michael are right there, and they need to hear the explanation. Right. But he knows what to do, and he goes and does it. Even though the stakes aren't that high – and although Mary has a reason to be frustrated, do you think this is a good way to set up the beginning of the episode that Michael just goes ahead and does this and that Mary is hard on him? Do you think it would fit within his character? For him to leave Timmy alone? Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing it does, but it's it's interesting that that's immediately brought out in this episode. I mean, it makes sense 
given what we've seen of him so far, mm-hmm. like the first thing that comes to mind in my head is that he was given a brownie at one point and told <laughs> to simply drop it in a beaker and couldn't possibly be bothered to go, okay, pick it up and then let gravity do the rest. No, he let he it sit ate there. It. <laughs> And ate it, <laughs> but he didn't even eat it at the start. He let it sit there until the end of his conversation and with Maya. And then he ate it. And then the teacher showed up, and rather than, oh, oh, I've got to put this into the beaker, he went, oh, I've got to cram it into my mouth. <laughs> the teacher's coming back. He's like, oh, I haven't eaten this brownie yet. I need to eat it. And whereas the correct response was simple. Listen. Was he working with Maya? Was that it? That was it. Yeah, because they're having the conversation about Grace. It was a yes. It was a fun episode. It was. Um. <laughs> it was. But given that I know that yeah. of him, yeah. it doesn't surprise me that in the split second of a moment, he would forget that Timmy exists. No, and it's really interesting because right before the first, I think it's the first or second commercial break, Mary says, isn't it Mary? Yeah, she says that Michael needs to take the drinks, the sports drinks for the team. And yes. immediately I'm like, he's going to forget that. <laughs> and the next question, the coach is asking them why they're playing not so great. And Michael says, maybe it's because he says, it was a rhetorical question, Morrison. Now, where are the drinks? Morrison? Is this one of those rhetorical questions? <laughs> no. And so then they go through the verbal gymnastics to try to figure out where the drinks are. And Michael's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. And then Timmy just shows up and saves the day. But... It's just funny from an audience standpoint. It's one of those things that I brought out previously that in the context of the episodes, the characters wouldn't think to do this. Oh, I think I brought this out with Austin, actually, for some of the reviews that we've done. In the context of the episodes, it makes sense that the characters would forget this because it's Michael. He's going to forget stuff. We're listening and we're saying, no, 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 please don't forget. But he does. Yes. And I love that it's the scene immediately following when he gets the response, when he gets the instructions to do it. It's great. It just right. adds to the the humor of this episode. It does. And I think that the episode, this episode and many before it, like Beth Culp does a good job yes. of telling a story and placing in decently humorous moments, but they're not like some, like some of them you might laugh out loud. Some of them, they're just kind of huh, <laughs> chuckled. I, I breathed a little bit. Yeah. And but it's natural. It, you know, it's, it's light humor blended into the conversation the the situations are funny it's not you've got jar jar in the corner saying funny things funny don't do that again i mean i don't mind jar jar but you know that's another that's another point. i don't mind jar jar either it's <laughs> just we've a talked about this before. it's an entirely different <laughs> style of humor <laughs> and i don't know if we ever get that on this show actually i think it's it's usually pretty pretty reeled in Misa Freddy Falstad. <laughs> Misa, I have bad steak for you. I don't know. But speaking of humor, another thing that Beth Culp does great is weaving in these little funny quirks in each episode and the constant bringing up of, oh, there's trash in the yard. Ah, I got oatmeal on my shoe. There was a banana on my windshield. It's so funny. It's really, really great. Yes. And then that finally actually does tie into the final plot. It didn't have to. Do you, fl- quick flash forward, sorry, spoilers for season five. These aren't actual spoilers, but word poppers. Do you remember that intro? Word poppers. It's just so Word random. Word poppers. And then they're, they're playing it. It doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the episode. It's just the first scene. I'm going to guess that maybe, just maybe, it had something to do with the episode. But then it got cut. 
but not before they produced the music. And then they were like, well, what are we going to do with this music? This guy worked really hard on it. And John Gamble has nothing to show for producing it. You got to use it. (laughs) Anyway, relevance is key for these episodes. And even for that one, I do remember it being relevant to that scene. So the way humor is worked in and the way that the world building works, and I, I have this as a note for some of the other episodes that are coming up in the season, but Beth Culp wrote out paragraphs and paragraphs pages and pages thousands of words on the backgrounds of all these characters before she even started writing the first episodes as as you should that dedication is fantastic it's something that we haven't really done with woodgrove but we i kind of have an idea of where i want to go with those characters Um, yeah and maybe some of that may have to change like honestly that's something we've been trying to do as we go with woodgrove Mm -hmm. and we like ideally i think you would write out pages and pages on people before you write them Mm -hmm. but because woodgrove is sort of an experimental work in progress we have the ability to do that as we go Mm -hmm. but it's great that a series like this that at least for beth culp's version went for six seasons before the other writers took it over and took her notes it's so great that she has a great grasp of the series and what to do with it and each of these episodes furthers that goal so exactly big fan of this one thank you beth A great podcast. I really enjoy Return to Gilead. I think it might encourage more people to listen to Down Gilead Lane. Thanks. This is Michael. Bye. And well, thank you so much to Michael. This is obviously not me, Michael, but another Michael. Thanks so much for leaving a voice message. And yes, there's so many people who don't know about Down Gilead Lane like me and I hope that by doing this podcast, we can spread the word about this fantastic show. Yeah, we look we look forward to, I guess, not just sharing it with people who have already listened to it, but who are yet to listen to it. And it's cool to see people on the fan page listening with us. Uh, there's, I, th- yeah. I think, Brendan McFarland is one example. He he was like he had started listening to listening through it. But then he he commented and he was like, I actually want to go back and listen to season one again because <laughs> Michael and Ryan are reviewing it. And so it's, it's just real. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So and thank you, Michael. It wasn't straight up feedback from Brendan. So I didn't have it prepared for now. But I think another thing he said was he wants now that he's listening to the great stuff, he wants to listen ahead to see where it all ends up. But he also wants to wait because he wants to keep up with us. <laughs> so right. yeah that's the tension and i'm like dude you could listen on your own he's like but i want to listen with you guys so you can I, do both you can do both but it's just not the same I, I understand that exactly anyway it's okay if you leave a voice message as short as michael did his was like 15 seconds long that's totally fine we'll play it here tell us who you are where you're from we'd be happy to include your voice voice messages long or short it still warms our hearts we love hearing from you you're fantastic Well, I think that'll bring this episode review to a wrap. I am liking the progress today. I'm in a much better mental state than I was last recording session. But it's okay (laughs) because we've got some longer episodes coming up. How, if listeners liked this episode, could they get in contact or touch with us? Besides, you know, the leaving a voice message. You guys really really should leave a voice message. I now know what it's like to leave a voice message on anchor after uh, pranking michael for april fools so that was that was fun but it's a lot of fun you basically just record a minute or less and we get to feature you and your beautiful voice here on the podcast yeah i can actually insult lisa rothop's voice now because i know she's not a real person uh, <laughs> i was what <laughs> it was interesting to hear you like 
agreeing with Lisa, and I was like, I am Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you can leave us a voice message. We have links in the description of the podcast. On anchor.fm slash return to Gilead is where you can go to find all the information about the podcast. You can follow us on Instagram also at return to Gilead. And we have a Facebook page, too. We well, we don't have it, but there is a Facebook page where I post updates about the show and about... Yeah, people... Oh, you're talking about the group. Yeah. I can just... You can just cut that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. But please, somebody, send in feedback other than Ryan, because I want to hear from you guys. But in the meantime, I'm Michael LaFaver. And I'm Ryan Matlock, also known as Lisa Rolfop. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll see you next time as we review episode 10, The Lonely Ranger, on our return to Gilead. Um, and oh my gosh, there's a giant ant on my laptop. One moment. Ow. <laughs> Did I kill it? Did I kill it? Did you kill it? I don't think I killed it. No. One moment. Ah, no. Ah, crawled away. Well, now I've got a giant ant hiding in my closet. Oh, well. Somewhere. A giant ant? Ant? A giant ant. Ant. Okay. Take two. <laughs>